0: From the K. Rob Collection, this is Audio Antiques, featuring programs from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson. We have two episodes from the classic late 1940s radio show, Destination Freedom. We begin with the saga of Blanche K. Bruce, the first African-American United States Senator to serve a full term from 1875 to 1881. Bruce was born into slavery in 1841. The second episode is entitled Shakespeare of Harlem, the story of Langston Hughes, the poet, novelist, playwright, and social activist was known as the leader of the Harlem Renaissance. We'll hear history come alive right after this break. Panoramic Lifestyle Clothing is your store for quality, distinctive t-shirts. Established in Scottsdale, Arizona, panoramic is streetwear that reflects the lifestyle of the modern West, apparel inspired by a vision that moves in all directions. These are eye-pleasing, pre-shrunk cotton tees for men, women, and children in all sizes with wide-ranging designs. All shirts are double-stitched at the seams, shoulder, sleeve, collar, and waist for durability and the perfect fit. Go to plclothing.store to view our vast selection. While there, check out our Instagram and YouTube photo shoots. And click the link to register to vote in the upcoming election so your voice will be heard. Panoramic lifestyle clothing. Premium t-shirts at popular prices. Get quality for less at plclothing.store. Destination
1: Freedom. Destination Freedom. Dramatizations of the great democratic traditions of the Negro people is brought to you by station WMAQ as a part of the pageant of history and of America's own Destination Freedom. After the great war between the states, after the victory for one union was won and emancipation proclaimed throughout the land, there were the bold days of the Reconstruction, when the spirit of Abraham Lincoln marched on to attempt a free commonwealth of freedmen in the Old South. Among the freedmen who rose out of the chaos and conflict of the era, one became a United States Senator and fought courageously to make emancipation a living reality. We tell his story in The Saga of Senator Blanche K. Bruce.
2: Along the docks of the river that year, the rafts and the barges and the riverboats still grunted suspiciously as they crossed the Mason-Dixon line, slowly restoring trade between north and south. And on a chilly night of 1866, the steamer Jeff Davis sidled into the docks of St. Louis, dropped anchor, lowered its plank, and its captain supervised the unloading of its cargo of timber as he had done a dozen times before. Hip,
3: hip, uh, and he
2: pushed his crew as he had Back always done,
3: Joke, but for on, once he mark. saw
2: one who was not moving.
3: Hip, uh, hurry, hurry now, boys, Hey,
4: you, Bruce, Bruce. Yes, Captain. Yes, nothing. You know what to do. Grab the wood. Get started i finished. What are you talking about? My papers, Captain. They call for a year's work. The year's up. I'm through. Oh, oh, I see. You're bringing that up again. Meet. Hey, I sir. He's been talking of uh, quitting since we left Cincinnati. Let him quit, and the others will think they're free, too. You hear me, Captain? I hear you, me. Well, uh, you want us to take care of him? Nobody in Nancy has seen him yet. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever care either. <laughs> Shall I give the boys a nod? No, how we? My reputation on the river's for being reasonable, not rough. Bruce can be reasoned with, I hope. Bruce, step up here. Yes, Captain. I suppose you know how demoralizing it is for the others in the crew when they work so hard and yet see one of their own rank stand idle. Such an attitude is unwise for a slave. For a slave, I suppose it would be. But I agreed to work a year, Captain. You may not have heard, but slavery is dead. You may not have heard, but on this boat it's very much alive. Get back to work. I'm going ashore, mate. All right, boys. Take care of him.
3: Let me go. Let me go. I always said, Captain, a start club just behind the ears will keep quiet the loudest.
4: (laughs) <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. One loudmouth in the crew singing about freedom could wake up the others. And there's some telling when we'll be boarded by a federal inspector and he'd sing out, I'm sure. Well, I take the rest. What do you suggest? It's not for me to decide. What do you suggest? Mm, throw him over. If there was ever a slave who needed to do and he's this Well, that can do any of them, Skipper. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But since he's such a smart one, I thinking we ought to teach him a lesson. <laughs> you want the boys to reason with him below the Dick when he wakes up? No, I know. That'd be a calm thing to do compared with what I have in mind. What have you in mind? In two days, we dock in Natchez, don't we? Uh, yeah, of course. Since our educated slaves are so anxious to get ashore, suppose we put him off of Mississippi, just let him free in Natchez. The night riders and angry overseers will take care of his free soul. <laughs> Skipper... I didn't think you had it in here. <laughs> yeah, let him see how dead slavery is in Mississippi. I never did like the man. Just uh, hold him below deck till we reach the Magnolia State.
2: And the steamer Jeff Davis, having unloaded timber at St. Louis, held on board one Blanche Bruce, who was brought on deck when the riverboat nudged its way into Natchez that night. And when the sun came up over the bosom of the Mississippi that morning... The captain measured the former slave with his eyes.
5: Bruce,
4: ordinarily, for the impudence you've shown, the river above us uh, would have long ago been your coffin.
5: What other bearing ground have you found?
4: Over there. Where? East. That, my rebel, is the sovereign state of Mississippi. Before the war, it had more plantations than any other in the Union. It had the most slaves, and the overseers saw to it that they had the highest death rate. Its plantations produced the most... You're telling spontaneous... me what I know... I don't suppose you know what's happened over there since the war. No. The old masters have determined that there'll be no changes in the status of the newly freed, no matter who won the war. I don't know where you come from or what you've been before, but uh, I gave you a chance to work out on my boat and hide out from the riots that started now that the war's over. But uh, you ask for your freedom. This is it where well, the plank is down. Walk it.
2: They walked the plank to the newly liberated city of Natchez. Newly freed, wandered around the city searching for jobs, for homes, for clothes, for a chance to grip tighter the slim margin of liberty they had won out of the war. And Bruce, the refugee, wandered and searched with them. And on a street corner, white working men idle in the aftermath of the war heard an ex-overseer pound the air and declare a new war.
3: Listen, listen to me. I tell you, things have come to us. Saw this state. Went up in Washington. You got traitors? Yeah, traitors to so our beloved state's rights. Right now, passing bills to give equal rights to slaves. You know what that man? It means that slaves be calling for wages. There won't be enough jobs for the white men in Mississippi. It means slaves will be giving us orders and marrying our daughters and... Running and ruining this state. And do you want that to happen just because Yankees with slave regiments beat us in battle? they meant protect your home. Drive the slaves back where they belong on the plantations under the whip. It's nature's law. It's meant that way. Wherever you see him teaching the law. Ah, huh, there goes one now. Get him. There he is. Get him.
2: And, and the Adler turned and saw Bruce and set out after him. And he ran through the unknown streets, dodged the pellets in the stones, ducked around corners. And when he started stumbling down the end of a one-way street, he understood the captain's intentions. And he pulled up breathless under the awning of a shop window and turned to face the executioners.
4: Hurry, come in here. This way, hurry. What? I can't keep the door open. Come on. I'm coming. I'm coming. There. There, that'll hold him if they don't try to ram it. Come away from the window. Over here. Now, sit here quietly.
3: Uh,
4: hey, they're going away. Yes, they're going. You're trembling, too. I, I think I'm shaking more than you. Why did you save me, if you? I, I guess it was your fingers. They're all smudged in printer's ink. Fingers like that, like mine. But ink never wears, though. I guess it's our trade, Mark. I couldn't let them hang another printer. It'd be like hanging myself. If you want to, you can work hand my shop with me. Maybe we printers can bring some sanity back into the state. My hand on it.
2: And the printers clasped their ink stained hands, one white and one brown. While the mob roamed outside and spread cold terror through the town, a warm friendship sprang up between the two printers that outlasted the riot. When a calm came over the state, the printers opened shop together and took in work from the few clients who still had time to read. And it was not long before a new client came in and noticed the new printer.
4: Where's Martin, the printer? He stepped out a few minutes. Can I help you? Aren't you being a little presumptuous? I didn't think I was. There's nothing you could do to help me. How long will your master be gone? All the masters have been gone for quite some time now. I see. You're very sure the masters won't be back and put you where you belong? Very sure. You're impotent, even before the state legislature has met... Uh, Pass the new Yankee amendments. I have a good mind to show you how little change there's going to Uh, be. Mr. Cartman, were you looking for me? Yes, Martin, I was. Yes, sir. I want you to print 60,000 copies of these leaflets. Have them ready for my office in a week. Can you do it? Well, yes. With my new printer, I think we can. Does he have to work on them, too? The only way we can get them out that quickly, Mr. Cartman... Well, all right. This helper you've got, where'd he come from? I've never asked him, Mr. Cosby. I've seen him somewhere before. A lot of good people are new here, Mr. Cosby. Uh, take yourself, for example. Hmm. Have the order out in a week, soon if possible. Not sure that working on him might not teach a new printer lesson. Good day, Martin. Good day, Mr. Cotby. Well, Bruce, seems we're set for a profitable week's work. Yes. Hey, let me unwrap the dummy copy left here. Cotby heads a new political party in the state. If we work for them, we don't have to worry about simple little things like food. Mm, Let's see the copy. Uh, Here, y'all. Start setting it up in the evening and when... Mm. What is it? Can't you understand it? Very well. No, we won't have to worry about simple things like food by printing carcass copy. And what is there
3: to worry about?
4: Freedom.
2: The black printer handed the copy to his employer.
3: To all planters,
4: overseers, ex-soldiers of the Confederacy, meet with me each night on my plantation in the next month so that we loyal sons of the South may forestall the coming election ...boisted upon us by Yankee armies, and in which slaves are expected to vote. Meet with me and return your state to its rightful owner. Spread the news. I... I know what you're thinking, Bruce. You needn't look at me that way. But printing this and putting it into their hands to spread across the state... It's putting a knife in the back of every free man. Cardvis, the wealthiest plantation owner left in the state. Mm. If we don't print it, he'll wreck my place. They'll see to it nowhere comes my way. How do you stand on the election? I've always wanted every man free. I believe you. But well, ours is a trade that's supposed to expand the freedom you mentioned. Print these and we curtail it as sure as a planter's would. Well, what would you suggest? For every message of Cardvis
1: we print... Calling the ex-masters together. Let's print one of our own to be distributed among
4: the Mm ex-slaves. And calling them to register for the voting. Yeah, it's a good thought, Bruce. Only there's one bit of difference. Yes? Most of the ex-slaves can't read yet. Most of the planters can't. You won't reach many by print. Then if not by print, I'll reach them with my voice. Will you go with me, Martin?
3: My life is here in the shop. But they say ex-slaves are gathering in camps and trying to get this state to ratify the amendments and to get the rights of the ballot.
4: I'll stay here and print the pamphlets if you'll go out and deliver them.
2: Day was for printing, night was for delivery. And the black printer walked the dangerous night roads and sought out the camp of free men. The camp of Tillman Johnson and others who had furnished underground troops for the Union Army. The print shop in Natchez was busy when one evening ex master Cartby and his men came by.
4: Well, Mr. Cartby, you're a little early. Today. Yes, seems some of your other customers are even earlier. Well, what do you mean? There's a heavy registration of ex slaves for the voting. Well,. I suppose it's the novelty of the thing, Mr. Codby. It's more than the novelty, sir. Some agents are carrying messages between the camps of freedmen. Uh well, it could be the copybaggers. Then there are some of those union it's soldiers. Someone who knows something about prison. Well someone who can imitate the size and shape of the leaflets my party's putting out. Yeah. Yes, a duplicate of my leaflet, but with a different message. Any idea where it came from? Now now, Mr. Carber, you don't need to pull your guns in here. Every print in Natchez uses that type. Yeah, well, that could be. Easy with the guns, Ben. Where's this helper of yours, Martin? Well, he's out on a delivery, Mr. Delivering what? Well, printing, of course. When'll he be back? I don't know when he'll be back. Might be late. I see. Then it's good. I have plenty of time today. Boys, make yeah. yourselves comfortable. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the streets? Yeah. We're waiting.
2: And the printer finally came into the shop.
3: All right, boys, go over him. Yeah. What?
4: What is this? Hold up your hands and you'll live. Resist and you'll die. All right, go through his pockets. Hold still, man. Hold still.
2: The order was carried out. The men of the planter found nothing. The planter looked at him long and quietly and said,
4: How long have you been in this state? Long enough to believe I know what it needs. I've seen you before, but uh, I can't place where. Well, now pay attention to me, you printer. I know there are men in your trade who prematurely hail the Civil War's end in a system that enriches the few at the expense of the many, as you put it. But before new laws are enacted, I'm going to do everything to stop it. I know there are white laborers and farmers who might join with the freedmen to vote to keep the ex-masters from any new power, but... We'll stop them, too. Don't get in the way. All right, men. Okay, boy. Come along. Yeah, right. uh, these white laborers, Mr. Martin, who'll join with Negro freedmen he speaks of. Yes, where are? can I find them? You're not going out again tonight. Every night. Yeah, well. Their leader is a miller named Johnny O'Hara. Hose Conference is in a barn three miles north of Natchez. What are you looking for? Trade. What kind? I'm a printer. Only farmers and field hands meet in here. Printers can't help us. I can help your meeting. How? I can multiply your words. Spread them. Come on in.
2: The printer walked inside the barn and in the midst of the meeting of poor farmers who stared suspiciously at him while the leader speculated.
4: You're either a saint or a fool to risk walking out alone here in these nights. Sure now, what is this about multiplying our words? Print them, and thousands can know about them. I'm from a shop in Natchez. You've come just on a matter of business. Speak frankly or be on your way. I, I heard you were deliberating as to whether to go ahead with the new amendments that are being proposed. Or, to vote with the planters again, and some of the men think we've more in common with the ex-masters than with the negroes yes. the ex masters own nine-tenths of the land in the state. Did your men own any? No, no the ex planters had slaves who worked free. Who did you have to work for you? ourselves? then it seems on the essentials you didn't have much in common with the masters. I've tried to sell them on that then if you can get together and agree to
5: meeting with leaders of the freedmen and nominating both Negro and white legislators You have a common need for freedom. I'll multiply your words on my printing press and I'll see that they're spread.
4: Good. You've expanded your business, printer.
2: The printer's business expanded to include white farmers and Negro farmers, and to include the thousands of disfranchised of the state who called a conference to reconstruct the legislature of Mississippi. In Jackson in 1868, the convention gathered under huge tents. Men and women who five years earlier had never dreamed they had a common heritage and a common destination. John O'Hara presided and declared,
4: This hour brings to a final end the slavery of white freedmen and Negro freedmen. I say white freedmen because no white laborer was any freer than the slaves during slavery. This hour of our gathering to carry out the program for all of us And not the hour that ended the war brings to an end the slave system.
2: And the printer recorded the speeches and multiplied them by thousands on his press, sent them across the state, and more men joined their ranks. When the elections were held that year, the ex-masters and the overseers had lost. That year, Mississippi sent its white and Negro sons to the state legislature. But the ex-masters regrouped. And again one evening, Cartby came by the printer shop in Natchez.
4: Good evening. What can I do for you now, Mr. Cartby? Martin, I have some more printing for you. Uh, some of the same as before? Not exactly. They'll read a little differently now, now that your Negro friends and white scallow eggs have decided to disgrace and demoralize the good name of Mississippi by sending Negroes to the legislature. Mr. Cartby, the last election's over. Yes. Yes, but another is coming up, Martin. You're a printer, not a politician, and you ought to be more concerned with my copy. I'm I'm looking at it. How soon can I have it? Mr. Cogby, I don't like this kind of copy. You see, it's not Not what, Martin? Not true. Since when? Since Mississippi outlawed segregation and we got our civil rights code. It's not legal to print copy calling for night riders to visit the homes of the new leaders, Mr. Cougby. You'll have to find another printer. I don't think so, Martin. Not if you value your shop. You couldn't. No, I couldn't. No. Later, I'll be able to. Bruce's side is having its day now, but the day of the planters is coming back. Mark my words, sir. By way of the ballot, if possible. If necessary, by way of the bullet. <laughs>
2: The printer remembered it when slowly the control of the state was turned back into the hands of the planters, and Negro freedmen and white farmers split under the strain of terror that reigned again in the Mississippi counties. It was then the freedmen leaders called the troop printers into O'Hara's mill, and they had a proposal.
4: We're proposing a way of uniting the people again against the Ex-Masters, Bruce. We're proposing you run for um, yeah, you you I I've, I've heard you. And I've thought about oh, it. But then act on it, man. We need you in Washington, near the president. Show what's happening in Mississippi. Unless we get help, we're going back to slavery. Right, right. If I thought, if I thought there was a chance of winning and doing good. We'll make the chance. It's not like running for a seat in the house. This way it'll mean the whole state's got to be behind me. We can get them behind you. Here, Martin, come over here. You talk to him. Bruce is your friend. He'll listen to you. If you and Bruce. Your opponent will be Carter Cotby. You mean the plantation owner. That's right. i run. Good, good, good. Now, the names of the leaders must not be spoken until the time for nomination. Cotby's men are strong. They'll put each of us on the death list. Keep very quiet.
3: Who's there?
4: Who knows we're here?
3: Jump down, help. And they ducked down, but some never
2: got to know they had already been put on the death list of the ex-masters, and the rifles checked down the list and accounted for six of the reconstruction leaders. And one broke off and dashed toward Natchez and finally threw himself on the print shop door, strength 2 to twist the lock. And this time there was no one there to open the
4: door and snatch him into safety.
3: Still
4: breathing. Uh, hey, Steve, they got that bruise table. Shall I finish her? Wait, room? wait. Hold on. Here, let me look. One pull of the uh, trigger, uh, Chief, and the Senate seats you're on without a race. Wait. His shirt's tall. Uh, he won't need clothes in a minute. Open his shirt some more. Oh, I see. I see. Say what, Chief? Never mind. I think you can put away the gun. I don't think we'll need it for this election, anyway. Oh. The man put the
2: gun away and was puzzled. As the days wore on and the printer seemed to survive and grow stronger, his speeches spawned new leaders to carry out the work of the reconstruction. Then he received a visit from his opponent, Mr. Carty.
4: You keep busy these days, Bruce. Oh, it's you. What do you want? I see here you... Putting out circulars challenging me to debate with the Jackson. I see you've avoided answering... I'm me. trying to save you if I can. From what? From away your life. <laughs> Listen. This crazy idea of the reconstruction is over. Oh, not this year. Next. But it's over. The police, the new clansmen, the courts are in our hands. I've heard. Then why don't you give up? Come over. Join us. We can find something easy for you. What's holding you up? I don't know. Maybe it's because these last ten years have been, well, glorious years. (laughs) We've started a new generation on the road towards a freedom they never had before. I'll see you in Jackson on the platform if you're interested in finding out why I go on. All right. I'll accept that offer, but I'd advise you not to be there, because, Bruce, I know now where I saw you before. I intend telling your prospective supporters where and how. You didn't know I knew? Even so, I'll be there.
2: And in Jackson, the election crowd came to hear Ex-Master Cockrey as he stood upon the platform and called back at his opponent.
3: Gentlemen, gentlemen, you
4: all know me. That's
3: right, that's right.
4: You know, before I came to this state, I was a printer in Virginia. That's right. And I don't sleep. Yeah, sleep. My record is clear, but I'd like to talk about my opponent. The radicals and carpetbaggers have never told you where he came from or what he did before he entered Mississippi. Well, I'll tell you. Will the chairman have him brought forward, please?
3: Well, call off your men. I'll come forward.
4: Now, that's very reasonable. Look, gentlemen, look. This is who the Reconstruction Radicals are asking you to vote for. Would you like to know his history?
3: Yeah,
4: yeah. I'll take off his shirt and show you.
3: Yeah.
4: Now, look. There on his bare back. Initials, C.C. Initials from my plantation in Virginia. He was my slave, gentlemen. Yeah. You asked to vote for a runaway slave. Here. Yeah. See
2: for yourself. The printer stood with his back bear to the shouts and calls of the crowd. And when they had
4: subsided, Bruce spoke. Mr. Chairman! Yes? May I
3: speak?
4: Well, I don't see what you got to say. I don't see any real Well, if you're not afraid they'll hang you, go on. Move. Move. My friend. My
3: friend. Fellow Southerners! Fellow Sufferers! Yeah. But it's true. I have been a slave. And at one time, Carter Codby was my master, but I escaped from slavery. When
4: I came to Mississippi and saw that the old master groups were trying to renew slavery,
3: I fought them with all I had. I've seen men go hungry and starve, and they were white as well as black, while the masters ate well.
4: Once there were no schools for slaves. There were no schools for many of you freedmen who weren't property owners. The Reconstruction has brought you rights you never enjoyed before the war, even as freedmen. Are you to stand by and see the fruits of the Reconstruction destroyed by the owners and the masses? Now, perhaps, but not for long, no, no, the seeds of freedom lay too deep in our soil.
2: The crowd grew quiet, and remained seated while the printer walked through the crowds of Jackson, shirt torn but spirit whole. A month later, Mississippi answered at the polls, and Blanche K. Bruce became the first ex-slave to be elected to the United States Senate.
1: Destination Freedom has just told the story of Blanche K. Bruce, Reconstruction hero and senator from Mississippi. Destination Freedom is written by Richard Durham, produced by Homer Heck, and directed by Dick Loughran. The part of Blanche K. Bruce was played by Fred Pinkard. Our narrator was Tony Parrish. Others in the cast were Oscar Brown, Jr., Ken Griffin, Jess Pugh, and Dean Olmquist. Special music was composed by Emil Soderstrom and played by Elwin Owen and Jose Bethencourt. Our technician was Al Johnson, sound effects by Cliff Mueller. This is Charles Martin inviting you to be with us again next week when Destination Freedom will tell the story of the 761st Negro Tank Battalion. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
5: I read in the papers about the Freedom Train. I heard on the radio about the Freedom Train. I seen folks talking about the Freedom Train. Lord, I've been a for that
6: Freedom Train. Destination Freedom. <laughs> Chicago Defender and Station WMAQ bring you Destination Freedom, dramatizing the great democratic traditions of the Negro people, interwoven in the pageant of history, and a part of America's own Destination Freedom. Mm -hmm. Today, Destination Freedom tells the story of the noted poet and playwright Langston Hughes in a chapter entitled Shakespeare of Harlem. I've been a waiting
5: for that Freedom Train.
7: He'd been waiting oh, a long time for, a freedom, train. for freedom Train. He was a boy with a notebook and a habit of writing about trains. He was born poor in Joplin, Missouri. He hadn't seen his father in so long he'd forgotten his face. He waited for the train to bring his father while he grew up back of the tracks in Kansas City, Cleveland, Buffalo, Chicago, Charleston, Joplin, he waited for the great day, even when he moved with his mother from town to town, from house to house, looking for cheaper rents in the wider world. He had been waiting 18 years for the sight of his father. Then a letter came. He tore it open, and the letter spoke to him.
8: My dear Langston, be ready to meet me today when my train comes through Cleveland. You will accompany me to Mexico for the summer. You're going to be free from poverty and poor people. Tell your mother. Signed, your father.
7: I'm going to be free. He put the letter in his notebook with his stories and sketches. He was too happy to walk. He went running down Central Avenue. He ran into a restaurant where his mother worked. He got up to the counter and he waited while she called for orders.
1: Your order, please. Hamburger. Nothing on it.
9: Plain hamburger. Plain hamburger. Coming up.
8: Ham and Ryan, A cup of coffee.
9: Ham on rye. Right, a cup of coffee. Ham on right, A cup of coffee. Mother. I'm busy, Langston. I told you not to come down here when I'm busy. Order, sir.
7: Coffee and donuts. Father, the letter came.
9: Langston, I told you. What letter? The one I got from Father.
5: He mentions you.
9: Mentions me? Mighty nice of him. What does he want?
5: Here, you read it.
9: I won't touch it. What does he want?
5: He wants me to come with him to live on his ranch in Mexico.
9: Isn't that just like him? He wants to take you away from me. Oh,
5: No one could do that.
9: He couldn't, he would. He's waited until you're big enough to work and help earn a living. Until I've raised you and worked for you and put you through high school. Now he comes to help. Is he that way? He's worse than that. You're like him. You've got his ways. You've been waiting every morning for the train to bring him. I'm losing you.
5: You're not losing me. I just want to see what it's like to have a rich father... It's been a long time since you've seen him. Maybe he's changed, Ma. Maybe you like him. Maybe, maybe we three can get together. You don't know what you're talking about. Mother, the train will be in now. Let me bring him here. You keep him out of my sight. You hear me? I gotta go, Mother. Wish you'd change
9: your mind.
6: I'm
7: still waiting for that coffee and donuts. Um,
9: donuts and coffee. Donuts and coffee
7: while the waitress worked her son went out to see if he could close the odd gap between father and mother he held an image of his father in his head an image of a wonderful wealthy man who lived in a land where there was no color line no rent falling due just mountains and sunshine and air and freedom he went through the train station looking for his image no one fitted that dream He looked until the crowd grew thin and then he gave up and walked toward home. As he turned a corner...
8: Oh, watch where you're going, you clumsy clown. Are you blind? I'm sorry.
7: The boy and the man passed each other. Then together, they looked back. The boy spoke.
8: Say, are you... are you my father? Are you Langston Hughes? Yes. Yes, father. Oh, then take your hands down. Don't make a public spectacle of yourself pouring all over me. Yes, father. You got my letter? Are you ready to go? Have you packed your things? Oh, I don't have anything else to pack. I'm ready. Well, then, come on. Don't stand there. Oh,
5: I can't go without Mother's word. Aren't you going to talk to her? Oh. Don't you... Don't you want to see her? What is she doing? She's working.
8: Working? Well, isn't that just like her? If she'd stayed with me, she wouldn't need to work. She wouldn't listen to me.
5: Will you talk to her now?
8: Uh, maybe. Yes, maybe when she sees what I've become and what I'm going to make out of you, she'll come to her senses, lead the way.
7: So the boy led his prodigal father into the little restaurant where his mother worked and waited for his mother to look around. Wheat
4: cakes and syrup, miss.
9: Wheat cakes and syrup. Wheat cakes and syrup.
7: Mother, father's here to see you.
9: I
4: see
5: him.
8: What's his order? Now, Jan, I've been thinking. I've come back because I've been thinking about our son.
5: What's your order? Ma... Listen to him. The boy would be better
8: off with me. I can give him what he can't get here. Now, if uh, you know what's good for you, you'd come back to me, too.
5: Yes, Mom. Maybe Dad's right. Let's all be together. What you say?
9: I said, what's your order? Ham and eggs.
3: Eggs for her. Eggs for her. ham.
8: Langston, my train leaves in an hour. If you want freedom to grow up and make something of yourself, you'll catch it. But,
5: but what about mother?
8: Decide without your mother. She dislikes the way I make my money. She's not a practical woman. Well, she'd leave this garbage and poverty behind. The train leaves in an hour, I say. I'll be on it. Uh, waitress, here's a quarter tip for you.
9: Cook! Take this quarter out and throw it in the garbage.
3: One quarter for the
9: garbage?
5: Mother, what do you say? Shall I go with him? You want to go. You still want to go. I can't get a job in Cleveland. There's no work in Cleveland for me. I'll only stay a month in Mexico and... Get out of my sight. I won't go that way.
9: Give me a good word. Give you a good word. What good are you to anybody? I thought I'd brought you up with some fight and fire in your veins. But you've got fear in them. You were going to leave your mark on the world. Now you've grown. Go out on your own. Forget the way you grew up. Forget the promises of things to do and things to look into and things to fight for. We can get that with Father. Then you belong with him. I don't know where I belong. Then find out. Go follow the devil. Catch your train. Give me the word. Is it all right with you? Go on. Give me the word, Ma. I'll give you nothing. Take your books and your pencils and your promises. Go on. Catch your train.
8: Hey, waitress. How about some wheat cakes and bacon?
9: We take and bacon. We take and bacon.
7: The boy sat a long time at the counter waiting for the good word. The word never came. The train did, and he was there immediately.
8: So, you came without the old woman's blessings. You've got sense. You're a son after my own heart. Come along, get aboard.
5: Why? Why did not Mother want to come?
8: She's a woman who lives by hopes and promises hopes of what she wants to see here in the States. I know better. In a few days, you'll see something that'll make you forget all about your life here. Get aboard.
3: Board!
1: aboard.
7: The boy got on board. The train rolled across the fields and plains and sang out at night on its way to Mexico. It crossed the old Mississippi, and the boy with the notebook looked down at the muddy river flowing towards the heart of the south. ...and wrote down what he felt of rivers to show to his father. And the long ride seemed to settle questions inside him. Questions of who he was and where he wanted to go. And when the train crossed the border... ...a part of the boy was left behind in Cleveland... ...in Kansas... ...in rented rooms... ...in the streets. His father wanted that part.
8: You're starting a new life, Langston. It's time to stop daydreaming.
5: Have I been daydreaming?
8: Since the day you get off the train... All you've done is wander about the villages with a notebook in your hands, then up and down the streets with the Indians and the payans. You are the son of the wealthiest rancher in the region. You're not a Negro in the United States anymore. You'll keep away from the payans.
5: Well, I like them, Father. They were teaching me Spanish.
8: I'll do the teaching hereafter. Today, boy, we'll get down to business. We'll ride over the ranch, and I'll show you what your future will be. We'll start now.
5: Uh, uh, Father. Oh, yes, Langston? Well, I... I wrote something I'd like for you to read. I want to talk to you about it. What is it?
8: Well, it's... It's little... Well, what are you stammering for? If you've got nothing to say, close your mouth. Yes, Father. When there's something on your mind, say it. When there's nothing, be quiet. Now go saddle the horses. When you see what I've planned for you, you'll have something to talk
7: about. The boy put away his notebook and pencil. He saddled the horses. He was quiet while they rode up along the mountain passes until his father pulled up.
8: Oh, oh now, oh boy, oh. Ah, We can see almost everything. There it is.
5: Is all of this yours?
8: Ah, there's more on the other side, the copper mines. Well, what do you think of it?
5: I've never seen anything so beautiful.
8: It brings in a thousand a week. That's the beauty of it. Now do you see why I wanted you out of the United States? Your mother could have all this, and she left me to raise you to be a fighter, she says.
5: Is that why she left you?
8: Partly. You're 18 and we can talk man to man now. You know, I think it's best you study engineering in Switzerland for a few years. Then we'll exploit the mines here. Or maybe you'd do better running the ranch. Uh, Father. Yes?
5: I'm not going to be an engineer. Oh? Hmm.
8: Well, perhaps not. I thought you had a liking for calculations. The way you carry that notebook around all day. I'm an easy man, Langston. As long as you pick a profession that'll make money, you'll find me a good
5: father. But what I'm going to do, I I don't think it'll make money. What will it do? Well, it'll make people see things better and, and feel things more.
8: What on earth is that? Poetry. Poetry?
5: That's what I intend to write, Father.
8: Now look, Langston, don't play when I'm serious. I've thought this thing out. Now, look, when we get to Switzerland... I'm not going to
5: Switzerland. Oh, I wanted to tell you. I'm going back to the United States. I'm going home. What home? My home. Oh, you're
8: out of your head. What have you got at home? What's there for a Negro in the States but Jim Crow and white only jobs? I'm going back. For what? What have you and your mother got in your heads? I am trying to save you the way I saved myself. I got away from the segregation of the slums and I've won a fortune. You can do the same. What's gotten into you? Nothing. Except
5: I'm lonely here.
8: Well, there are other wealthy ranchers with sons. You can associate with them. I
5: don't want to be with them. I'm going where my roots are. Roots? When I crossed the Mississippi, I got the feeling then of who I was and and where I was going. I wrote it down. Will you read it?
8: You've got your mother in you.
5: I've got the river in me. When I crossed it, the words came to me that I have known rivers. I have known rivers ancient as a world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were new. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans. And I've seen its muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I have known rivers, ancient, dusky rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers.
7: The boy with the notebook got ready to get on the train, and the prodigal father cursed him.
8: Let this be the last time you call me father. I want no part of poets or fools. Mark my words, you'll go hungry and jobless at home. Oh, you'll be happy for a while. But there'll be streets you can't live on, jobs you can't get, restaurants you can't eat in, and hotels you can't sleep in. You'll never find a father can give you the freedom I've given you. Take your notebooks and your poems, and may the devil keep you.
7: The boy with the notebook took the curse and the train and went back over the bosom of the Mississippi. He crossed it and went to New York and rode the subway to Harlem and got off hungry for friends and stood wide eyed in the sunshine while his people, black, brown, beige, white, walked by. He wanted to shake hands, to speak, to laugh, to talk.
9: Hey, hello.
7: Hello, my name is Langston. What's yours?
9: Well, of all the fresh things, See that, Joe? Why don't you do something? Oh, I just want to meet somebody.
6: My
4: name is... Well, Joe. don't be sure me, you teeth, Jack. I ain't no dentist.
6: Go to the clinic. Oh, come on, babe. I just want to talk to somebody. Oh. Oh, hello.
9: Well, what do you know, country? What's on your mind?
6: You looking for a place to stay, Country? Yeah. You stay with me. I run on the railroad. Out four days, in three. I've got plenty of room. <laughs> Thanks. Gee, I hey, can't... you
9: ain't a bad guy, Country. Ain't bad at all. He's a little square, but I'll put his boots on. <laughs> Actually, honey.
6: Say, you all right, Jack? You
9: come stay with me,
5: huh? <laughs> sure, sure. Hey, what's your name, fella? Uh, uh, Hughes. Langston Hughes.
9: Yeah, but I'm going to call him Shakespeare on account of he's always scribbling something. Shakespeare meets Smitty.
6: Yeah, hey, give me some skin, Shakespeare. Howdy, boy. Oh, what you writing about?
3: Then
4: have a drink.
6: Jarn yourself, Jack. Drown
3: yourself. Hey, guys, here's Shakespeare.
6: (laughs) And they took him
7: in, and he drowned himself in the people. He got lost in the sea of people. He took up his beat on the Harlem streets. His notebook was a fishing net, and it caught songs he heard.
6: Did you ever try living on two bits minus two? Did you ever try living on two bits minus two?
5: Why don't you try it, folks? See what it would do to you.
7: He picked up a suicide note that said,
9: The calm, cool face of the river asked me for a kiss.
7: And he wrote down an epitaph for a dead man.
1: Tell all my mourners to mourn in red Cause there
8: ain't
7: no sense in my being dead And he saw good times roll and bad times crash about him He came to the times his father had predicted He came to the times when he was hungry, jobless And when he wrote about the weather
5: This is earthquake weather honor and hunger walk lean together
7: he looked for jobs to keep alive and the words of the prodigal father came true he found the restaurants he couldn't eat in the streets he couldn't live on the hotels he couldn't sleep in but one day he went to a jobber's office in washington dc to answer an ad he saw in the papers
4: uh, excuse me sir mr i
5: I saw your ad in the paper. that said you wanted a hotel clerk. click.
8: Mm-hmm. You know I can find one?
5: Well, in, in college, I took quite a bit of bookkeeping, sir. I thought maybe I could fill the job.
8: Mm-hmm. You got good sense? Well, I suppose. Well, that ad said uh, white clerk, didn't it? said oh. plain as day, white clerk. Is that right? That's right.
5: Well, <laughs> well, I guess they won't hire me then. I'll shove off. Oh, say. Yeah?
8: Uh, you know, come to think of it, that hotel can use you. Are you sure? Why, sure. They need a the busboy to handle the dishes. You go on over. Uh, thanks. Oh, don't mention it. Just tell Smitty, dear. He's the head waiter. Tell him I sent you. You'll be stacking dishes in no time. Just tell him I sent
6: you. <coughs> uh,
5: the jobber sent me over. Oh. Man, uh, you got an easy job, sonny. Huh? No responsibilities to worry about whatsoever. Now, uh, it's seven days a week, nine hours a day, and at $15 per, the pay ain't back. Now, you start collecting dishes soon as supper's over, and whatever you be, don't eat slow.
7: He put aside the notebook while the plates piled high. He got to know the waiters, the cooks, the maids. But the net of his notebook caught less as the days wore on, and all the words of his father came before him. One day was like another until he stopped in the lobby of the hotel to peer at a poster. He stood looking for a long time until the head waiter
5: came. Langston, dinner's almost over. The tables need clearing. Now get ready for work. What's you standing daydreaming about now? I was looking at this poster. He's speaking here tonight. Who's he? Vacher Lindsay. Oh, you know him? A friend of yours, maybe? <laughs> no, he writes portrait. I recognize his picture on the poster. Here. You know, if I didn't work tonight, I I could hear him. Heh. <laughs> Not in this hotel. He's speaking before the governor's conference, can't you read? It's in the auditorium. They don't allow colored in the auditorium. I'd sure like to hear him. Eh, You're the oddest busboy I ever heard tell of. Oh, you'll see him all right, even before the conference, right in the dining room. All you gotta do is clean off his table. Look him dead in the eye. Now come on. You got a date with the dishes.
7: He kept his date with the dishes, and slowly an idea came to him that between poets, there was a bond that cut across color lines and job lines. He worked over the tables, and when he came to one marked Rachel Lindsay, he took up the menu and carried it to the kitchen. He took out his pencil and wrote down the lines of a poem. He wrote down the lines of a poem that went,
5: Democracy will not come today, this year nor ever, through compromise and fear. I have as much right as the other fellow has to stand on my two feet and on the land. I tire so of hearing people say, let things take their course. Tomorrow is another day. I do not need my freedom when I am dead. I cannot live on tomorrow's bread. Freedom is a strong seed planted in a great need. Listen, America. I live here, too, and I want freedom just as you.
7: Then he signed his name and put the venue back on the table of Rachel Lindsay. He went home and slept like a rock, like he had thrown his last stone. Then he came back the next morning to the same job, the same hotel. But there was something that had changed the busboy's world. There were men around the doors. The head waiter was the first to see him.
3: There he is, boys. And there's the man you guys want.
1: Say, is that Langston Hughes? Oh, is yeah. that guy a poet? Huh. He don't look like no poet to me. He don't look like nothing but a bus boy. If
6: That's bad right. bus boys make great poets, Shakespeare. Huh. Hey, are you
1: Langston Hughes? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who are you? Well, I'm from the journal, Mr. Hughes. Mind posing for a picture? Hey, yeah, mind oh, stepping, stepping back, back so it, I
8: can get your oh, feet in there? That's it, it. it. Thank oh, you. All Smitty, all what's the matter? What's
5: going on, Smitty? Right what did I do? You did plenty. Ain't you read the paper? Oh, I haven't had time. look here.
3: Your name's in them all. Right up top. Big story says Rachel Lindsay read your poem to the governor. See? Rachel Lindsay yeah. discovers busboy poet. Uh, now, Mr.
1: Hughes,
8: tell me in your own words, a stack and dishes inspire you to write poetry or vice versa.
1: The journal's running your exclusive story, Mr. Hughes. Did your father like poetry, or was it your mother? Yeah, no. Hey, 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 wait a minute, I fellas. Really hey, like where you are you taking him? Get hey, them. wait a minute, hey, fellas. That's enough, boys. That's enough. is not matter. He's still got a lot
6: of distance to and I don't want him too weak to work. Now, that's enough, boys. That's enough.
3: There,
4: now. I'll give you time to breathe.
5: Yeah. Thanks for pulling me in, you smith. Sure, sure. <laughs> to think all this time, I've been pushing a poet around. Oh, um, he was looking for you. He? Yeah, this Lindsay guy. Came back and left a letter for you. What's it
4: say? Your, you read it. Yeah.
7: He opened the letter, his hand shaking. He opened it and the letter spoke.
8: Dear Langston, do you mind if I call you my son? Most young poets call me father and I want you in my family. You said it right. Earthquake weather has come down on the world. Most men are not free. Honor and hunger do go together. I want all my sons to wake up the world. We poets, even when not born of the common people, must speak for the common people. Speak loud, son. Speak the truth and scare hell out of the devil. And when you see freedom coming, catch it like you catch a train and let no passengers be Jim Crowed. Affectionately, your father, Rachel Lindsay.
7: There was a new joy in the heart of the boy with the notebook. And he carried it with him now wherever he went and he slipped into it whatever he wrote. He wrote of many things, of blues, of women, of people and places. He was read in every country where books were printed. He went back to his habit of writing about trains. When he heard about the Freedom Train, he wrote of it.
5: I read in the papers about the Freedom Train. I heard on the radio about the Freedom Train. I seen folks talking about the Freedom Train. Lord, I've been waiting for that Freedom Train. Down south in Dixie. Only train I see's got a Jim Crow car set aside for me. I hope there ain't no Jim Crow cars on the Freedom Train. No backdoor entrance to the Freedom Train. No white folks only on the Freedom Train. I'm gonna check up on this Freedom Train. Who's the engineer on the Freedom Train? Can a cold black man drive the Freedom Train? Is there ballot boxes on the Freedom Train? Do colored folks vote on the Freedom Train? Somebody, tell me about this Freedom Train. If my children ask me, Daddy, please explain, why there's Jim Crow cars on the Freedom Train? What shall I tell my children? You tell me, cause freedom ain't freedom if a man ain't free. Maybe they explains it on the Freedom Train. When that train goes steaming through South Carolina, will them Greenville leeches pay it any mind? Or that 12-man jury that let them loose, turn their heads and spit tobacco juice? When my old grandmother in Atlanta, 83 in black, gets in line to see the Freedom Train, will some white man yell, Get back! That girl got no business on the Freedom Train. But, mister... I thought it were the freedom train. Her grandson's name was Jimmy. He died in Anzio. He died for real. It weren't no show. This freedom that they are carrying on this freedom train, is it for real Mm -hmm. or just a show again? Mm -hmm. Jimmy wants to know about, about this freedom train. Will his freedom train come zooming down the track Gleaming in the sunlight for white and black No stopping at no stations marked colored white Just stopping in the country In the wide open air Where there never was no Jim Crow signs nowhere No welcoming committees, nor politicians of note No mayors and such for which colored can't vote Nary a sign of a color line. For the freedom train will be yours and mine. Then, maybe from their graves in Anzio, the G.I.s who fought will say, we wanted it so. Black men and white will say, ain't it fine? At home they've got a train that's yours and mine. Then... Then I'll shout glory for the freedom train. I'll holler, blow your whistle, freedom train. Thank God Almighty, here's the freedom train. We'll all get aboard our freedom train.
7: The boy with the notebook wrote down his poem and caught the train. And so Shakespeare went back to his beat in Harlem.
6: You have just heard Destination Freedom's dramatization of Shakespeare of Harlem, the story of Langston Hughes. Destination Freedom is brought to you by the Chicago Defender newspaper and station WMAQ. Destination Freedom is written by Richard Durham and produced under the direction of Homer Heck. The poems heard in today's story were Freedom Train, Suicide Note, Wake, and Democracy, used by special permission of Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes was played by Fred Pinkard. Others in the cast were Janice Kingslow, Louise Pruitt, Oscar Brown, Charles Mountain, Sherman Marks, and Les Spears. The special music was composed by Emil Soderstrom and played by Elvin Owen and Bobby Christian. This is Hugh Downs inviting you to be with us again next week for another in our series on the Negro in Democracy, Destination Freedom. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
0: Are you tired of your $50 to $100 per month cell phone bill? Well, come on over to Mint Mobile. I've been with Mint Mobile for years, and I get... All the talk, text, and data I need for just $15 a month. You've seen their commercials on TV. Just go to their website, pick the best plan for you, and they will send you a SIM card. Insert it into your phone and start saving. You can even keep your same number.
9: Mint Mobile, where you get talk, data, and text for just $15 a month. Get more information from krobcollection.com.
0: And like me... You can get talk, text, and data for as little as $15 a month at Mint Mobile. From the K-Rob collection, this has been Audio Antiques, a program featuring shows from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson, and our email address is audioantiques at hkrmail.com. Our music is by H-Beats at hbeats330 at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and feel free to subscribe to Audio Antiques from the K-Rob Collection.